Go with me to 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10. I'm going to try to move through this pretty quick. I went a little long the first service just with some things going on, so we're going to move through it. There's great power and authority in our words. If you've been here the last few weeks, Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, you can never defeat your enemy until you know who he is. And in this thing here on earth, many times we view our enemy as people. People hurt you, but you can always uh, guarantee that behind even what people are doing, the devil's involved. John 10.10 says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his goal for, for your life and my life. And so this morning, we're going to get there, but we're going to talk about you cannot defeat the devil with your mouth closed. You're going to have to learn to speak the word, speak the name of Jesus, speak the blood daily. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Now, Paul here, guys, he's not denying that he, he lives in a mortal flesh. He's not denying that. But I believe he's trying to tell us that we do not fight with mere human weapons. Our fight here on earth isn't with fists. It isn't with guns and knives. So what is it with? Well, let's keep reading here. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or of the flesh, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds now he tells us here that we got some weapons and these weapons will help us to pull down these strongholds so today we, we've got to learn what our weapons are but these things called strongholds guys are anything that oppose God or God's word in our lives and what you find out with a stronghold is the longer it goes on in life the stronger of a grip it's going to get on every one of us. That's why it's important. Man, when I get these weapons, i got to start using them. He goes on to say in verse 5, Casting down arguments, theories, or reasoning, and every high thing, every lofty thing or proud thing, that exalts itself against the knowledge or the word of God. Now that tells me right there, I've got to begin to understand the Word of God. I've got to read the Word of God. And then when anything starts coming uh, at your mind that is contradicting the Word of God, and I can't receive that. I've got to know what the Word of God says. And then once I know that, look what he goes on to say. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of God or the obedience of His Word. So my thoughts, guys, is where these strongholds begin. And these strongholds are based on a lie that if the devil can get you to believe those things, man, he's got you. He's got you. So what did he tell us we got to do there? We've got to begin to capture those thoughts. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the Word of God. You know what that means? i got to get a hold of the Word of God. I gotta start reading my Bible. I gotta start thinking in line with the Word of God. And when I start thinking in line with the Word of God, if there's anything that opposes that, I recognize it real quick and I say, huh, uh that's not what the Word of God says. Now go with me over to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And anytime you begin to see the weapons that were talked about to use in the Bible, you're going to always go to Ephesians 6. This is where it's going to begin to, to give us an illustration of our armor. Ephesians 6 verse 10 says, 
Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Now that word power there, guys, means delegated authority. Once again, if you were here last week, we talked about that, that the delegated authority that me and you have comes from what Jesus has already done. Now, to understand that, you think about a police officer, guys. He has no power over a car. He has no strength over a car. I don't care if that car is going 20 miles an hour. It hits you, it's going to inflict some damage. But when a police officer has delegated an authority, you know what that means? When you pull up to a light or something and he does that, you stop. When he goes that way, you go that way. You know why? It's because of delegated authority. That's the same way that Jesus has done with us. Now that everything that Jesus has already done, he said, here you go. It's yours. It's yours. You've got to begin to use that. Now, this is something you're going to hear me say. The value of our delegated authority is only good as long as we know the force that behind it. So in other words, its value depends upon the force of the user. If you don't know who you are in Christ, it doesn't do you any good. So the value of the authority that Jesus has given us is dependent upon the force that we use it. Now this will go ahead and show us some of this right here. Verse number 11. Put on the whole armor of God. Who's to put it on? I am. So first of all, i got to know what my armor is before I put it on. So that's what we're going to find out. Put on the whole armor of God. That who? That you may be able to stand against the wiles, the strategies, the deceits, the ambushes of who? The devil. The devil. Right there. I'm going to tell you right there. That is a nugget that every one of us need to understand. That I've got some weapons that I've got to put on. That I may be able to stand against the devil. Each one got to know these guys. The devil's not your friend. He does not like you. Okay. Keep reading. Verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities. Against powers. Against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now once again you can read that. And you look at all those things that he talked about. Who are those ones represented in verse 12? Those are fallen angels. Those are the third of the angels that got kicked out of heaven when God booted Lucifer out. So that's who we deal with right here on earth. And their desire for every one of our lives is to create havoc. So what do we got to do? We'll read verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God... That you may be able to withstand. Now that word withstand means to vigorously oppose. To bravely resist. To stand face to face in the evil day. And having done all to do, stand. Stand. I can tell you this right now. Jesus has done everything he's going to do. Matthew 16, 19. He said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. So once again... All this armor that we have, Jesus has already provided. He set us up for victory. Now, we're going to look at the armor. And you're going to see a lot of it is tied to the Word of God, to knowing who you are in Christ, and understanding that I've got to be the one that delegates the authority that Jesus has given me. In other words, I've got to begin to speak it. I've got to begin to stand up. Verse 14. 
Stand therefore, having girded your waist with what? Truth. Truth. The word of God is truth, guys. Now he says, gird your waist. So to me, you know what he's saying? You've got to cinch that belt up with the word of God. If we went back to Matthew 4, when Jesus was being tempted by the devil, over and over he repeated this to the devil. He said, it is written. It is written. So me and you, i got to get a hold of the written word of God, that truth. And I mean cinch it up. My life is based on the truth of the word of God. The second one, he says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, not one of us in here is righteous because anything we've done. We've been declared righteous because what Jesus did. You know what righteousness says? You are now in right standing with God because of Jesus. Where's that found? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, We are the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm righteous. You know why? Because of what Jesus did. Now the way I stay in right standing with God is when I miss it or I sin or I blow it and I repent. I stay right with God that way. And when I live righteous, the devil can come around and try to condemn us. He can try to come around and tell you how worthless you are, but that's when you look and say, Ah, oh, buddy, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Christ has qualified me. I'm covered by the blood of the Lamb. That's the second one. He goes on to say in verse 15, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, what are, what are your feet for? They're to walk. They're to run. And he's talking about here, I believe we are to walk in the victories that Jesus has already given us. And that word, the preparation of the gospel of peace, that word preparation means the things that Jesus has already done. Those things have already happened, so he's telling me, begin to walk out salvation that Jesus has already supplied me on a daily basis. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, when you got born again, guys, that didn't mean you were exempt from the devil. You may have thought that. Now, that's not what that means. I believe he's telling us here, I'm going to have to quench those fiery darts of the wicked. He's going to keep throwing darts at me just because I'm, I'm born again. Doesn't mean I'm exempt from it. But he tells me, the shield of faith. The shield of faith. Now, let me ask you a couple questions here. What about faith? That's the cry of the New Testament. Everywhere you go in the New Testament, you've got to live by faith. How did you receive Jesus? By faith. So how do we get faith? Well, Romans 10, 17 says, Faith come by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I've got to keep hearing the Word of God, guys. That is part of my arsenal. Now, how is faith dispersed? Romans 10, 8 through 10 says, The Word of God is near you in your mouth. And in your heart. I believe part of our arsenal is we begin to speak the word of God. Speak the word of God and speak it by faith. Begin to trust and say, okay, Father God, this is what your word said. Let it go. We've got to keep moving. Verse 18 or verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation. Now, what's a helmet for? How many of you put helmets on your little kids when they ride their bikes nowadays? To protect their head. 
But think about this. This is my mind. I've got to protect my mind and walk in the truth on a daily basis. Put on that helmet. And the last one he says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. How many have ever viewed the Word of God as taking a sword? <clears throat> Jabbing, cutting. Man, I'm telling you, it'll begin to help you when you begin to look at that. When I speak the Word of God out of my mouth, in the spirit realm, it's like I'm doing Zorro. Man, I'm tearing things up. But i got to speak the Word of God. And then the last few right there is prayer is a weapon also. you got to get a hold of these and on a daily basis, put on your armor. What did it say? Put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand against all that the devil's going to try to come. So he's going to come at you, guys. And I don't say that to put fear on you. That's just a reality. Now go back with me in the Old Testament to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. Now that was a load, wasn't it? That was a bunch. Bunch, bunch, bunch. But we've got to get a hold of this. And you can't defeat the devil, guys, or the enemy with your mouth shut. And there may be days in your life you feel overwhelmed. Even when you feel overwhelmed, speak the word. And there may be days you want to quit. Speak the word. And there's days you may feel intimidated. Speak the word. Speak the word big time. Now, here we are in 1 Samuel 17. This is the story of David and Goliath. Some of you have read it before, heard it before. You never heard it like you're going to hear it today, okay? We're going to give you the Stormy Swamp paraphrased edition. You're going to like it. It's going to stir you up on the inside. But what's going on here is this guy named Goliath. He's huge. He's intimidating. He's somewhere between 9'6 and 9'9. That's a big guy. That's a big guy. I said in the first service, I was running a pro basketball player one time in an airport who was 7'5. I stared him right in his belly button. I mean, looked him right in the eye right there. And I thought, God, that is a big human being. And so understand this about Goliath. He was huge. He was enormous. Had a big old pumpkin head. Can you imagine the head on that guy? And so he's 9'6", 9'9", somewhere. And every day, morning and evening for 40 days, he would come out. And not only was he intimidating to look at, he was a trash-talking machine. You know what that likes? That's likened to the devil. In Revelations 12, it says he's the accuser of the brethren. So when Goliath would come out and start yakking, you know what the Israelites did? They ran to the foxhole. They said, this is not good. I mean, he had them right where they want him. So this guy named David, he had a father named Jesse. And Jesse said, listen, buddy, you got some brothers that are up there fighting. I want you to take them some food. So he took them these, these ten wheels of cheese. Now, this may break some of you cowboys' hearts, but those guys, they were cheeseheads. They were Packer fans. I'll tell you that right now. They had their cheese, okay? So he goes up there to the battle, to fight, to help his brothers, and when he gets there, he's seeing all the army of Israel. Man, they're in disarray. And he said, what's the deal? And they said, have you not seen this giant? And so you know what David says? Tell me what happens to the guy who whips him. David didn't want to know about losing. He went, what happens for the guy who whips him? Now, he was very convincing. Number one, you get a bunch of riches. That always gets guys' attention. Riches, hmm. What's number two? You get the king's daughter. Wow. Do you know what the kicker was? The third one, tax exemption. He said, I'm in. You give me a tax, I'm in right there. So that's the three things. And so David hears all this, and I mean, David's in. He's saying, man, let's get, let's get, get to it. Pick up with me. 
Verse 28 of 1 Samuel 17. Now Eliab, David's oldest brothers, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep? In other words, you know what he was doing? He was slapping his own brother. And he was saying, you're just a little shepherd boy. With whom did you leave those few sheep? In other words, get your rear back up there. You have no business here. Now what happens in our life many times? The critics will begin to criticize you when you want to live for Jesus. But the bottom line is this. They're not going to do nothing about it. They're just going to stay in the foxhole the rest of their life. But don't let that happen to you. Verse number 29. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason to fight? Now this is big for each one of us because when there's a cause, we have two options. We can cut and run or we can stand and fight. Now when you cut and run, you know what that means? You're just in avoiding the inevitable. To cut and run, guys, that doesn't solve nothing. And once again, I believe in this area called life. When we cut and we run from the things that the devil's throwing at us, it's not going to get any better. And God's just looking for ones that'll say, I'll stay and fight. So look what goes on to happen. Then David turned from to him toward another, and he said the same thing, and these people answered him as the first one did. Now the words which David spoke were heard. They reported him to Saul, and he sent for him. And you've got to understand with Saul, he's got to be, he's got to be ecstatic. We finally got someone that wants to fight. But look what happens. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are a youth and he a man of war. So Saul's really ecstatic until he sees David and thinks, Oh my gosh. You're who we've got. Now when I see what he says, you can't do this. Don't allow other people's words to discourage you. Don't allow other people's words to tell you what you can and can't do in life. Many of you have been told, you can't do that. Watch and see. Watch what God can do with us. So don't be discouraged by those. Verse uh, 34. And David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. I'm going to highlight that. Don't, don't despise the day of small beginnings. You got to start somewhere. And he said, I used to keep my father's sheep. And when a lion or bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and I struck it and killed it. I can get a picture of this, guys. And what David's doing here, he's telling Saul, this is my resume, buddy. Lions and tigers and bears, who cares? That stuff doesn't move me a bit what he was doing. I'll grab you by the beard. And look what he goes on to say. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. You know what he's telling him right there? You messed with the wrong moraine. You messed with the wrong person. David goes on to say, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion 
and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Now, just a few minutes ago, remember, this was the same Saul who said, You can't do that. And oh, oh, David starts telling him his kingdom resume. And because the faith and the trust that David had because of his God, Saul looks at him and says, Go, buddy, you the man. You the man. That's 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I've got to get to that place in my life. And so do you. Where you understand, God's going to help me. I'm going to fight the battle, but God has given me delegated authority. So Saul clothed David with his armor. And he put a bronze helmet on his head. And he also clothed him with a coat of mail. And David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk for these. I have not tested them. So David took them off. You know what, guys? I, I can't fight with human weapons. I've got to use what God gives me. And just because things work for somebody else, that necessarily they're going to mean to work for me. I've got to understand, I've got to have a relationship with Jesus. I've got to know who Jesus is. I don't care who Aunt Susie says Jesus is. But my mom used to pray. Well, bless the Lord, I'm glad she prays. i got a mama here that still prays. But the day comes when you're going to have to start putting on your own armor. And here's a passage of scripture that will really help you. In Acts 19, the apostle Paul was having great miracles take place. And these fellows that were called the seven sons of Sceva, they saw what Paul had done. They heard that Paul had spoken the name of Jesus and they said this, We exercise you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. That's exactly what the word said. That's Acts 19.15 to be exact for you. And the demons that they said this to, they looked at these seven sons of Sceva, and you know what they said? We know who Jesus is, and we know who Paul is, but who are you? But who are, you know what? They heard what Paul said, and they saw what Paul did, but they didn't have a relationship with Jesus. This is where it comes, you've got to understand who you are in Christ Jesus. You've got to begin to realize, when I speak the name of Jesus... This is what he said. I'm his workmanship. I'm created in Christ Jesus. I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's Ephesians 2. But i got to get to the place. I understand my authority that Jesus has given me. And when the devil knocks on your door of your life, your marriage, you say, huh, buddy, not in the name of Jesus. Keep reading with me here. I'm going to jump down to verse 40. And then David took a staff in his hand. He chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in his shepherd's bag and in a pouch which he had. And a sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before them. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. You know what that word disdain mean? He belittled him. He began to talk a bunch of junk to him, for he saw him, and David was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. Now, ruddy isn't a word we use very often, so I had to go back and I had to look at what ruddy meant. You know what the word ruddy meant? He was red-headed and freckle-faced. Now, I believe totally 
or, or, or that, that when the Philistine, when Goliath saw him, it irritated him. He looked and thought, you little punk kid, what are you doing here? How dare you send him toward me? And so he begins to disdain him. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, The devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's exactly what he does to us. 1 Peter 5, 9 says, resist him. Resist him. Now that's what the devil's going to do. He's going to walk about like a roaring lion, and he looks to see who he can devour. And so right here, this is what's going on. And you're going to see right here how Goliath tries to intimidate David. That's exactly what the devil will try to do to you. So he goes on to say, oh, where are we at? In verse number, I better put my glasses on. Verse number 43. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And he cursed David by his God. And he said to David, you come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. It had been very easy for David to say, hey boys, I'm out of here. This is a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be. But look what David did. Then David said to the Philistine, David spoke to him and said, you come to me with a sword and a spear with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defiled. This day... The Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you and I will take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in all of Israel. Now you know what David does? He talks back. And David understood his delegated authority. But he also wanted the people of the earth to know there's still a God of Israel. And there's still a God of Israel who's got a reputation on this earth. And that's my God. And when you mess with me, buddy, you better get ready. Verse 47. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save the sword and spear for the battles of the Lord. And he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David. That David hurried and ran toward the army to meet him. And you know what I get out of that passage right there? Some of you got to quit running from him. Some of you got to quit going to the foxholes of life. And the day comes when you stand up just like David. And not only did David stand up to him, David started running toward him. Can you imagine what Goliath thought? Normally when, when, when uh, the army was there and he ran toward him, and they'd flee. They'd all crawl in the boat. Not this time. And here David comes running at him. And so you want a better tomorrow? Start putting on your armor today. Start under. i got to live by the word of God today. i got to find it. This is who I am in Christ. Uh, Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, The name of Jesus above every name. In heaven, earth, and hell. you got to start speaking the name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. I remember when I got born again, guys, I didn't have a clue about the name of Jesus. I didn't have a clue about who I was in Christ. I started reading the word and I realized I got to speak in the name of Jesus. I got to call out on the name of Jesus. The first year I got born again, I heard the devil repeat this to me over and over. You know what he tell me? I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. I'd wake up in the middle. I thought, he's trying to kill me. 
He's trying to kill me. I remember in one week I was in three car wrecks. And I remember I said to my brother one day, somebody's trying to kill me. And he said, yeah, his name's the devil. I thought the devil was in Hollywood with a little pitchfork went around poking people in the rear. He said, no, that's not the devil. The devil hates you, wants to kill you, steal his right. I said, what do you do? Start speaking the name of Jesus. And so, man, I was like the machine gun all day long. I said, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus. That's a good thing. Revelations 12, 11 says, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. The blood of Jesus still speaks today. I believe it's healthy for you and me to go through our day and say, Woo, I speak the blood of Jesus today. Over my thoughts. I speak the blood over my tongue. I speak the blood over my eyes. Let the blood cover you. Let the blood cover your children. Don't just send them lunch to school. Speak over their little lunch pail and their little bags. And their co- the blood of Jesus. I thank you, Lord. You said in Psalm 91, a thousand will fall at my side and ten thousand of my rent, but it shall not come near my dwelling. You're not going to come near me. Well, pastor, the whole school's got the flu. Well, I come under the blood of Jesus. I know it's going to get us. Just a minute. Start speaking the word. Now, this is where it really gets good to me right here. Verse 30 or 49. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine right in his forehead so that the stone sank in his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and he struck the Philistine and he killed him but there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and he killed him and he cut off his head with it. Now can you imagine how much this giant sword weighed? I mean, nowadays we'd probably have to get a forklift just to lift it. And think about this. Here's this little red-headed ruddy, and he pulls it. I think it took everything he had, and he picked it up and just dropped it, and it cut off his head. Just cut off his head. Now, what did that represent to the rest of the Philistines? They're like, oh, crud. That little punk kid, he just cut his head off. And they took off. And this is where we get back to Acts 19. I know who Jesus, and I know who Paul is, but who are you? You know what I believe David was doing? He was working on his kingdom resume. And he had something rise up on the inside of him. And look at verse 54. And David took the head of the Philistine, and he brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in the tent. Verse 57. Then as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. So everywhere David went, he had a trophy. And you know what that trophy was? Goliath's head. A big old pumpkin head. I guarantee he had a, you can know those guys all had big old thick beards. Old nasty hair, all matty headed. He'd walk into the, the, the camp and he'd look at them all and Everywhere he went, he drug that head around. See, that's where we can get in the kingdom of God, where we look and we tell him, you come around here, buddy. I've been deputized. But Jesus said, I give you the authority. Where's that, pastor? That's, that's Matthew 16, 19. I give you the kings of the kingdom. And some of you have put up with his tactics way, way too long. You need to kick him out of your life 
You need to kick him out of your marriage. You need to kick him out of your home. And say, uh-uh, no more, buddy. You come around here in the name of, I'm going to cut your head. In the name of Jesus. I remember years ago, and some of you may remember this, and if you ever get books to read on him, uh, a man named Lester Sumrall. Lester Sumrall was a man of God, and he told the story that one night he stayed in this motel, and he said, man, the motel was eerie. And he said, I woke up in the middle of the night, and at the foot of my bed, he said, it was the spirit of fear. It's like the devil was standing there. And Lester said, I woke up and looked at him and said, it's only you. In other words, you don't move me a bit. I'm not moved by you a bit. Now, I can tell you this. There's times when you begin to live by the blood in the name of Jesus, and you speak the things of God out of your mouth, your little knees are going to knock. You can do it afraid. You can, that's okay. I believe David was knocking, guys. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. He's thinking, oh, Father God, i got to have you here. i got to have you here. Let me ask you this. How many have ever rode a roller coaster and been afraid? Every one of us. You get in line and you're looking, you're saying, crap, horrific. We're on that. A few years ago, we were down in Six Flags. And my mom, she got on the roller coaster and we're going through the line, and you know, you, you see that loopity loop one, and you get on there, and all of a sudden, it, you're upside down. And she looked at us and said, are we fixing to go through that double loop? And I said, yeah. And she said, oh, God, I should have had my head examined. She didn't know that was the ride we were on. I said, too late, Mama. And she's still here. She had a few marks on her pants, but other than that, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but see, a lot of times, guys, we just got to step out with the name of Jesus and say, okay, Lord, I'm picking my weapons up today. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I don't fear what man can do to me. The Lord is my helper today. Stand up with me here. Stand up. See, you got, you got to get your mouth open. If you think back to that passage with King David, 